Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. show today looking ahead at this week's Champions League fixtures with my partner in crime yes that is true Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson are in the house sit back relax and let us entertain you Kegel Lato begins right about now welcome everybody great show today welcome to my boys Nigel first and foremost how you doing man I'm good thank you how are you young man looking like Clark Kent today I will call you another word when you name drop but we'll stick to Clark Kent and not Clark something else Clark Seward will not be used by anyone other than the magical Rude Tullet. So he's the only one who's allowed to say that word there. I am absolutely knackered. having an exhausting weekend. I probably look exhausted as well, emotionally drained as well. But JJ, you look fantastic. How are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, for the compliments. I've spent my weekend eating uh, my way around Milan. So yeah, feeling very good about myself right now and feeling good at the start of this week, but Villa play tonight. So that's probably going to be it Ooh, in terms of Jay- my good mood this week. JJ, don't say that, mate. We, we know Villa playing tonight and, you know, and it's hard to watch Villa right now. Even the TV numbers are saying so. So we're worried about going to the forest ground. It's very hard to watch. I'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit later on in the show. But first, let's touch about uh, the Champions League, a little bit more of a bigger competition than Aston Villa against Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. A relegation battle. Sorry about well, that. But it's, it's a clash between three-time champions. He doesn't yeah. know that. He doesn't know that. So <laughs> instead of Ian, JJ, oh, yes, I do. Thank you, JJ. Instead of him educating... They're one of the only two teams who've won champion European Championship competition. Sorry, did you say Champions League or did you say European Cup? I, I misunderstood. Champions League, same thing. Just rebranded. Oh, renamed. same it's thing. It's like Queen okay. Siri in a new box with a new character. Same thing. But anyway. All right. Well, you, you, know, you, know who, you know who Villa beat uh, to win that European Cup? Ian's favourites. Bayern. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, oh, one. He's, uh, JJ. He's trigger All right, he's shut up, both of you. Now we're getting on with the show here. <laughs> Champions League action coming your way this week. We're happy to break it all down for you. Before we get into the discussion about Tuesday's games, I really want to have a quick look and get your opinion, and maybe a quick prediction from each of you as we go through the groups. Let's begin with Group A. Obviously, it's very, very tight, Nigel, but we don't want a d- deep discussion here. I just want who goes through from you and then JJ, you follow behind. Go ahead, Nigel. Napoli, Liverpool. JJ. I'm going to go the same. I mean, that's one's pretty easy to have a look at right there, though, isn't it? I'm, no, it's I would not. Love to say, I'd love to is say it? Glasgow Rangers are going to go through, but they haven't even scored a goal yet. So let's move on to Group B then. Death Drop Group B. Who you got, Nigel, going through here? Club Rouge or Braga, however you want to pronounce it. 
And I think Porto will do it as well. JJ? I'm starting to lean towards Bayer. So I'm going to go Club Brugge and Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, big win for Xavi Alonso now in charge of Bayer Leverkusen there. I think Leverkusen will go very close, but watch out for Atleti, man. You can never, ever rule them out. Let's go to Group C, Des. JJ, we'll start with you. (laughs) JJ, we'll start with you on uh, Group C there. Bayern Munich obviously have a convincing lead, but this one's a difficult one to predict as to who's going to be second tier. Inter done well last couple of games. Yeah, Bayern Inter for me. Bayern Barca. Wow. I am uh, I'm actually close to saying Barcelona as well here, Nigel. I, I hate agreeing with you. <laughs> Let's go to Group D. This is the halfway point as we look at the uh, groups all the way through the Champions League stage. We're halfway through it. Uh, JJ, we'll stay with you on this one here. This one obviously is very, very close one. Difficult to predict. You've got a French club in there as well. Who are you going with getting through out this group? Yeah, I'm going to stay with Spurs and Sporting. Nigel. I have to agree with that. I'm going to say, I'll say Sporting and Spurs as well. It's hard to bet against that. I mean, Sporting got off to such a great start, so we give them credit. And I don't think they were, I I think they were a little bit unlucky against Marseille. Obviously, what happened in the game, full credit to Marseille for picking up all three points. But let's move on to the next group, Des. uh, Nigel, we'll go back to you. Who's going through from this one here? This one, again, is another tight one. And very closely, I mean, Dinamo Zagreb are going to mess this one up here because they're going to get a big win in these last three games. But Milan, Chelsea and Salzburg are battling out for the top two right now. I personally think it's going to be AC Milan and Chelsea. Who come out of this? JJ. Yeah, I agree. Okay, AC Milan and Chelsea. Mm, Salzburg. Mm, interesting there. I'd love to see one of the big clubs getting knocked out of that group right there. And I actually would love to see Chelsea getting knocked out of the group stages, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm agreeing with both of you. All right, let's move on to the next one, Des. Uh, Nigel, will stay with you. This one here looks like it's uh, a little bit more predictable, but watch out. Celtic, two home games in the last three games. Obviously, Leipzig battling it out against Celtic at Celtic Park in uh, match day four. So do they have any chance, Leipzig or Celtic, of getting through here, JJ? Or do you think it's going to be Shakhtar and Real Madrid? As much as I'd love it to be Shakhtar, I've got a feeling it'll be Real and Leipzig. Nigel? I, I have to agree with JJ. I really, I, I think Leipzig will come back and uh, it'll be Leipzig and Real Madrid. I love the way that Ian's pushing Celtic, right? Let's get one thing right, JJ. <laughs> He's trying so hard. Yes, we know how amazing it is to play at Celtic when they're at home. It's great. If you don't have the quality, Ian, you're going to get your asses spanked. And that's what's happening. They don't have the quality. They've got the fan base, big club, but you've got to have the quality players to do the job, mate. All right? So put your Scottish passport away. Des, if you could just hold that clip until after the game this week as Celtic play Leipzig at Celtic Park this week. Uh, yes, I'm expecting Celtic to turn up this week. It's going to shake that group up massively. I've gone for a Celtic win this week. Uh, let's move on to the next one. JJ, let's go back to you. Uh, this one obviously is self-exploratory, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be a brave man or a stupid man to bet against City and Dortmund being the two going through. Yeah, I I can see Seville turning it around, miraculously turning it around. (laughs) I told you, brave or stupid. Man City and Dortmund (laughs) for sure. Come on. It becomes a battle as to who wants to go into the Europa League as well. Let's move on to the next one here. Um, Nigel, we'll go back to you on this one here. Um, This one's very tight as well, Group H, if I'm not mistaken. It is um, really getting close now with Juve because this is the question now. Juve obviously have the game against Maccabi Haifa in the next game. We're about to touch upon that in just a moment here. PSG and Benfica, I mean, this is a great game. I'm excited to get stuck into it here. But before we actually get a deep dive into the games itself, who comes out of the group stage here? Nigel, I'm going to start with you before we end up with JJ here. Paris Saint-Germain, Benfica. It's not that hard. 
It's not really? that hard. I've, I've watched really? so nothing from you, Nothing. They are okay. absolutely dreadful. Before we even get into it, did you see them this weekend against <laughs> AC did. Milan? AC that. Milan absolutely battered them. Vlaovic has lost all confidence. It's not that hard, trust me. Yep. <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain and Benfica. JJ. Yeah, I agree. I think Juventus will pay for dropping points early on in the group. All right, there you have it. That is a halfway point update and look or prediction as to what or who goes through the group stages there. Well, let's get into the discussion of Tuesday's games that kick off. We'll begin with Group H here. The way it's lined up, you just witnessed the table there. PSG, obviously, with the seven points alongside Benfica. Juventus have got this big game away to Maccabi Haifa. They needed three points. But I want to get into the deep dive of PSG against Benfica. PSG at the weekend, JJ. Um, Obviously, a little unfortunate when you have that early red card. It makes it much more difficult. I actually put a little wager thinking that PSG could get the job done and go on and win that game. It didn't quite happen. It finished no nil and we have to say that Benfica won 4-2 so going into this game little update about Messi what's happening with his situation um, I heard he had a calf injury and what are you thinking from this game yeah Messi's out of this one PSG have confirmed already he's not in the squad so Messi missing now for two games in a row obviously scored that superb equaliser last week when the two teams met um, you know and PSG I mean yeah they're, they're unbeaten still this season but I think that there are so many questions yet to be answered by this side I mean obviously they have you know real potential this season across all fronts and you know things have been going well at the beginning but it seems like the goals have dried up a little bit since the international break and obviously when you take Messi out of the equation given how uh, productive he's been so far this season that puts a lot of emphasis on Mbappe and Neymar and Mbappe once again kicking up a fuss uh, regarding his positioning uh, on the pitch he wants to play the same position he does with France which is basically out wide but with a bit of freedom uh, you know and sort of thinly veiled failed uh, criticism of uh, Galtier and the, the system that he's put in place. So, you know, this is a big opportunity for Mbappe to put his money where his mouth is. We know, you know, what he can do. We know that he can turn up when he wants to. But the thing is, he hasn't done it as often this season as he has done in previous years. JJ, two things quickly. I'm going to ask you this. Would you say now that Paris Saint-Germain is Lionel Messi's team? And then second question, would you say Mbappe may regret signing that contract at Paris Saint-Germain and probably will be thinking that he would have been better off going to Real Madrid. I don't think Mbappe will ultimately regret it because I still think that he will be the future for PSG. Uh, But I do think at this moment in time, it's not quite the, it's not worked out to be the team, his team in the way that he thought it would be. I don't think he expected Messi and Neymar to come back in the form that they're in. Uh, you know, but I think ultimately it actually makes PSG a much stronger proposition when you've got a productive Neymar, when you've got a productive Messi. Uh, you know, and I think Mbappe perhaps has taken a little bit of a knock to his ego uh, in seeing his two superstar teammates outshine him at times. Nigel, go ahead. What do you think about this game? Obviously, no Messi there. I think that's probably one of the reasons why he was taken off in that game. We were all questioning in the last 10 minutes of the game why on earth he would take Messi off. But they are missing some players. Uh, Benfica also missing some players. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, David Neres has actually just been put out of the game as well. He looks unspecified, it was, by the way. So we don't know exactly what's wrong with him as to why he'll miss that game. But Benfica will recognize that a draw against PSG would be a very very good result for them. So do you expect them to maybe change the game plan a little bit, go for the draw, sit back a little bit more defensively, play counter-attacking and try to hold PSG at bay as long as you possibly can? Because this is going to be a different game in Paris. 
it's a different game in Paris. And I think the smart thing to do is, especially when you have, whenever you play away from home and you know it as well, Ian, it's the fact of start solid. So you would start solid. You try and get the crowd out of the game. And when I say get the crowd out of the game is when you know the pressure's on the home side more so, especially Paris Saint-Germain being at home. Once they don't score in the first 15, 20 minutes, that's when you can gain confidence and continue to push forward more and more. I think personally, for me, the big factor of not having Messi in this game is massive. Because for me, I feel that Messi really has changed this Paris Saint-Germain side and he has become the main man. It is his team. And obviously Mbappe is in one of his moments right now where he's throwing his toys at the pram and not performing, not happy, having a little sulky moment. But this is something we discussed about this Paris Saint-Germain team. That's what can bring them down. It can be the players that's in there and it's all these egos you have to deal with. And if a little argument starts or a disagreement starts, that can be very detrimental to this team and the performance. And let's be real, Benfica gave him a tough time at home in the last mm -hmm. game. Benfica, Benfica were absolutely sensational. And there is still questions that remain about Paris Saint-Germain in the team dynamic. And when I say the team dynamic, that's performing from front to back, which is what we love and marvel of what we're seeing in Napoli. Paris Saint-Germain is still missing that team dynamic, but you can never question the front three that they have and how amazingly talented that front three is. It's probably the best front three in world football. So they are capable to make something out of nothing where they can win games because they've got match winners. But the team dynamic is the biggest problem. And I feel Benfica could probably sneak and get something now that Messi's not playing. Yeah, I take Nigel's point and totally agree. You know, I think Messi has really stamped his uh, authority on this PSG side this season. Unlike last season, I saw that we had a, a comment come up a couple of minutes ago about any team that Messi's in is his team. That wasn't really the case last season, uh, but it certainly is more the case this season. But I think actually the interesting thing now that Galtier has to contend with more so than Messi being out here is how to restructure this defence with Kimpembe still out because we saw Ramos getting sent off at the week again against Haas. He's going to be suspended. Kimpembe won't be back for another couple of weeks. So suddenly... Galtier is now facing potentially having to change system. We've seen that he started this season with three central defenders, two mm -hmm. guys uh, wide in the, the wing-back roles. Suddenly, he's now probably going to have to revert to a flat 4-4-2. Danilo Pereira, defensive midfielder by trade, is spending a lot of time in defense. And that can potentially, you know, sort of derail some of the progress that had been made earlier this season when he was able to call upon his strongest 11 for the formation that he picked out, especially for this team. Uh, you know, and I think that, you know, kind of of risks this positive dynamic that PSG are on because let's face it they are still unbeaten so far this season but this is a big one for them because if PSG don't win this one then you know suddenly it keeps the group alive the closer that they get to that away clash with Juventus. Hey JJ how just real quickly before we move on to the Juventus game um, we're going to touch upon that in just a moment but how is Christophe Gaultier actually handling this situation because this is a big job for him we know he's got great experience obviously domestically in the French League big name as well I've always been impressed with what he's done with young players in the French League but how is he handling the superstars that he's dealing with right now? I think he's doing reasonably well. I mean, I think you have to look at what he walked into in the summer, you know, knowing that Mbappe had just renewed speculation about Neymar leaving, whether Messi was, you know, pretty much done at the, the top level. And he's managed to, you know, get, uh, you know, the, the more troublesome elements, your Neymars and your Messis, you know, to, to refocus and keep performing on the pitch. And Mbappe, I mean, the thing is, Mbappe, when he wants to perform, will perform. Now, the test for Galtier is whether he's going to be able to handle 
you know, the, the, the sort of flare ups of ego that you've got at this moment in time with the guy who realistically is going to remain the star of this team for the next couple of years. It's not going to be Messi given his age, also given his contract situation. It's probably not going to be Neymar given the inconsistency that we've seen from him uh, at PSG. So I think that Mbappe is definitely the test that will tell us, uh, you know, if Galtier is capable of handling a, a superstar locker room or not. For the moment, he's succeeding because PSG are getting the results. But, uh, you know, sort of Mbappe kind of risks the, the early season harmony that, that PSG have found. Yeah, it's a wait and see how we get on here. Let's get a quick prediction from you, JJ, on this one. PSG against Benfica. Who you got winning the game? Who scores? 2-1 PSG. I think this is the kind of moment that Mbappe thrives in. So I think he and Neymar will put their differences aside and uh, perform well. So I can see PSG edging this one. A draw wouldn't be a total surprise, but I think PSG will just about get it done. Nigel? I want to go Benfica, but again, it's just, it's so hard to go against the attacking front three of PSG. And like JJ said, he's 100% right. These are the type of moments that Mbappe comes alive and this is his moment now. There's no Messi in the team. So this is when he can kind of stamp his authority of him being the future of the club, which is what JJ stated as well. And it's so true. So I feel that it's going to be tight, but I'll probably say maybe a 2-1 win Paris Saint-Germain. As you take a look at the Group H table right now, you can see PSG and Benfica have got that little gap between them and Juventus who are chasing very closely behind. However, they have a game against Maccabi Haifa away from home. Uh, both teams lost at the weekend. Maccabi Haifa losing, Juventus losing. Four points behind. Obviously, this is a must-win game for Juventus here. Vlahovic, as you touched upon, Nigel, no shots from him at the weekend against Milan. Disappointing outing, disappointing result for Juventus. You're not happy with the way things are going at Juve here. It's not, I'm not happy about it. It's just, for me, it's such a big historic club. But to be fair, let's be real. It's very similar to what's happening at Manchester United in the Premier League as well. So they've lost their way. They've lost direction. There hasn't been really good enough planning and detailed planning for the future and sustainability. So now they're facing it. This is the reality now. You've got uh, Juventus going to have to play Maccabi Haifa in a must-win game. But from what I saw in that performance against AC Milan domestically in this weekend, confidence looks dreadfully low. I would not be surprised if there's a shock in this game because from Vlaovic, who's um, basically at fault for the second goal they conceded, he gave the ball away poorly pretty much in the, in the middle of the pitch. It's just the body language and the reaction after that. Heads went down. I think Juventus right now, not just the fact that they're losing, they're not playing well, but confidence looks like it's been sucked out of that team completely. And I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up being a surprise and it's a loss for Juventus. I mean, it's not an easy place to go. I mean, you look at how no. PSG struggled uh, earlier on in the group stage. And, you know, I, I totally agree with Nigel. I think, uh, you know, you can add a couple of other clubs into that debate as well, you know, with the likes of United and Juve, got Lyon as well, sort of the former powers that we would recognize as sort of being, you know, some of the biggest clubs in Europe, really, really struggling to to get to terms with, with what football has become in the last sort of five to 10 years uh, and keep up with it as well. But for this Juve side, I totally agree with Nigel. I think anything other than three points is almost effectively going to consign them to dropping into the Europa League. They absolutely must win this. And really, they need one of PSG or Benfica to lose. Because I think if the game ends a draw in Paris, I still think it's probably out of reach uh, you know, for Juve to, to get themselves into the top two between now and the end of the group stage. So for me, I think it's, it, it's crucial for Juve. But even if they do get the win, it's the absolute minimum expectation with all due respect to, to Maccabi Haifa. And I think it's there's so much pressure on them to not mess this up. Uh, you know, and I think obviously the, the domestic struggles really play into it as well. So for me, I think that 
Juve, they, I mean, I would be really surprised if they managed to make it out of this group in the top two. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's very, very difficult. And this is not the same Juventus. This is a big disappointment from Juventus. I thought we'd see a lot more from Juve in this group. I thought they'd shake things up. But Benfica have been terrific to watch, as Nigel pointed out. They are a good side. Young, experienced. And let's not forget, they lost Darwin Nunes, right? So to replace that goal-scoring threat that you have, but his attitude, pushing players around him to be better, has been fun to watch. And I think that draw for Benfica was a good draw. It probably put them through to the knockout stages by getting a draw against PSG. I wouldn't put it past Benfica in getting a draw against PSG in this game either. However, PSG are absolutely favourites. And I've got Juve to get the result here, but I think you're right. This is going to be a close call here. Uh, JJ, before we move on, obviously we'll be talking, uh, talking about PSG. There was some breaking news coming out of the French League this week uh, regarding Laurent Blanc. Uh, what more can you tell us about that? Yeah, so a boss uh, sacked and out with Lyon, uh, Laurent Blanc coming in. Obviously, he's been away for quite a while now, formally coached PSG. First coach to lead a team in France to a domestic clean sweep. So that's all of the domestic uh, titles when the Coupe de la Ligue was in uh, in action as well. But, you know, this is going to be a really interesting one because Blanc has been away for quite some time now. Preaches good football. Uh, I'd say that he relies heavily upon his coaching staff and those around him. But, uh, you know, I think he could be a good fit stylistically for this Leon side, which really, really needs a fire lit under them at the moment. Uh, and I think as well, Leon waited too long to get rid of Boss. I think the writing was on the wall for him for quite a while. Uh, and I think that Blanc definitely has his work cut out for him with this uh, with this challenge. But curious to see sort of what a couple of years away from the, 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 the sort of European elite as well as a, a bit of a spell in Qatar uh, you know has, uh, has sort of done for his managerial nows Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen This Earth Week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus Paramount Plus official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation all right, we turn our attention to Group E in the Champions League. It's match day four. You're watching Keiko Lato. You enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson here. Uh, big one for Chelsea coming up there in Milan. A uh, good win for both at the weekend, obviously. Uh, but what are we learning about this Chelsea team, Nigel? They hammered Wolves at the weekend. Graham Potter seems to be getting things right. He, he made a few changes to the lineup at the weekend from what we witnessed against Milan on match day three. But this is a tight group. And in my opinion, this is a big game for Chelsea where they cannot afford to lose. Yeah, this is a massive game for Chelsea. Um, they hammered Wolves because did you have you seen Wolves recently? Wolves are on an absolute free fall. They they looked like a bunch of kids in the performance in how they played against Chelsea. He made some changes. No Aubameyang, no Raheem Sterling, Reese James. So obviously you can see that he's preparing more so for this Milan game. And the, for the American listeners, Kristen Pulisic got a game, played fantastically well, got a goal. So they've got the strength in depth. I still feel that they're trying to find the system, trying to really get that identity going. I think when they play top opposition, it's still not clear cut. They still feel, I feel for me, lacking that little bit there, that extra bit of creativity as well. Because yeah. again, similar to what Jurgen Klopp says about Liverpool, Chelsea are becoming a bit predictable. But you can't really say that's fully Chelsea right now because he's still trying to implement the identity. For me, I think Milan really didn't do themselves any flavor, favors at Stamford Bridge. I feel Milan played within themselves. They mm -hmm. played, they showed Chelsea too much respect. They didn't go for it. I think being at home, it's a different game. And I think that they showed a reaction with the win against Juventus. Rafael Leal really needs to, to take this goal, this game, by the scruff of the neck and really put out a performance there. I think that's what it is. I think there's going to be a real difference now in this leg. I think really there's going to be a lot more confidence from Milan being at home, 
with the fans behind them, feeling that they can get the job done. So it, it's going to be a cracking game. But I, I think that just Milan being at home is going to give them that extra bit of edge. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that, that's that's definitely a logical argument. I think one of the the issues with this Chelsea side, um, I certainly feel strongly about it, is that. I mean, Chelsea's transfer policy in shaping this squad, uh, you know, made absolutely zero sense when you look at the fact that, you know, Potter has now walked into this squad with guys that, you know, he's not really going to be, you know, giving them that many opportunities to impress. I don't think Zachariah has even gotten into the squad since Potter was appointed coach. Uh, you know, over May Exactly. And, you know, it just feels to me like it's going to take really, you know, quite a while, possibly, you know, sort of latter half of the season, maybe even the beginning of next to really start to see, you know, the impact that the Potter can have uh, on this Chelsea side once he's shaped it more in his own image. Uh, I do think coming into this match specifically, you know, there's going to be a question of pride on the line for Milan having taken such a, a heavy beating uh, last time out. And I think being at home, this one will be a lot closer uh, than it was. But, uh, you know, also at the same time, I do think that Milan really, really need to win this one now because if yeah. they draw, you know, they're still sort of at a disadvantage in trying to finish in the top two. Uh, and I think, you know, they, they didn't show as badly as, you know, the 3-0 scoreline suggested. But at the end of the day in the Champions League, that, that's not really what counts. You know, you need to get the results. I think if, if they can get the win here, that sort of redresses, uh, you know, some of the damage done by that unexpectedly uh, big defeat to Chelsea. Yeah, no doubt. Nigel? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, JJ, 100% right. I think that Paul is still trying to mould this squad and the questions, I always had questions about Chelsea's recruiting and I think that's going to be the problem. And I think the, there seems to be, I wouldn't say great communication between ownership and management at the moment because I don't really feel they have a real set game plan in what players they want to recruit. It seems like names are being thrown all over the place. There's obviously talk about if Mason Mount doesn't stay at Chelsea, which for me is absolutely scandalous, why he wouldn't want to stay at Chelsea, why he shouldn't stay at Chelsea and they do anything to keep him. Another comment that came out as well is the fact of Graham Potter's already said that he doesn't want to discuss contract extensions from N'Gole Conte and wants more about fitness first. Now, for me, that's crazy. He has been Mr. Chelsea. That is one player you want to keep there because forget the footballing ability and what he makes and brings to that Chelsea team. He's a proper professional role model. He is the type of player you want there because I don't know any one person who has anything bad to say about him. So again, that just rings up questions of what direction Chelsea really are going in and is there really a plan? I think it's going to take a while. They're obviously in the hunt for a director of football, but you can have so many questions about Chelsea, I feel. Yeah, we got a great comment coming in from Matt Osmond here. I hope that Chelsea finished third only to hear what solution Todd Bowley can come up with here to save the sport. But that's a great, great point to make out right here. I think it will all be determined, Nigel, as to what happens with Chelsea in the Champions League because as right now sits, Chelsea are second in the table. But if they lose in Milan, which very well could happen, Milan have only lost one game, if I'm not mistaken, this year. And that yeah. was recently against Napoli at home. So they're a good side. They're a dangerous side. Obviously, we'll have learned a lot between the two sides in the, the match day three fixture. I think Milan will be a different animal in this game completely. But do they have enough to get past this Chelsea side who seem to be getting things right out there on the pitch as well? And you say there, it's obviously big, big stadium, big field. Big field plays a big difference. Big field, big difference. And I think Rafael will get a lot more space and a lot more of the ball. And then as much as Chelsea want to push on to get the win, they're going to leave themselves very exposed and open. So I feel that definitely that's going to play a big advantage as well.
All right, quick prediction from both of you. Who wins this game and how did they get it done? JJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, this this is a tough one. I'm going to say a one-goal win for Milan. I, I can't decide if it's going to be 1-0 or 2-1. I think probably 2-1. 2-0 nice. AC Milan. Wow. I'm not giving you a prediction on this one here because you both went for Milan. I was going to shake things up, but because you both went for Milan, I'm certainly not doing that now. I don't know if Chelsea can get the victory there. I think Milan recognizes, as you both said, they, they just simply cannot lose this game. I think Milan will be good in this game. I really believe that they can get the job done. They made it look easy against Juve at the weekend as well. Go ahead, Nigel. I was just going to say, Ian, don't you think Milan know that they embarrassed themselves in the performance that they gave at Stamford Bridge. And I think the Italian press would have definitely let them know that they embarrassed themselves. So they're going to want a reaction. And also, like you said, it's the mini final before the final because they have to win this more so than Chelsea. Being yep. at home is the best place to be. Yeah, embarrassment is a strong word, but I agree with you. It just simply didn't turn up in that game. And I think the result was an embarrassment more than the performance was. But I think we will see a different Milan side this time around. Uh, the other game in the group there, uh, obviously Salzburg top of the table against bottom of the table, Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, no game for Zagreb this weekend. Oh, funny enough, by the way, they were rested this weekend getting ready for this game against Salzburg. Must win game for them against Salzburg, who scored three at the weekend. The first time they've scored three goals in about five matches. So interesting for them. Um, I think that this will be a cracking game. And I really believe believe that Dinamo Zagreb are going to make it difficult for Salzburg, who might be looking at their first loss in the group to really shake Group E up. Let's move on to Group F here. Uh, not really much talking point right now. Real Madrid are leading the way with nine points. Celtic bottom of the table with one point. Um, Shakhtar at home to Real Madrid here. No Courtois. He's got a back injury, obviously with Classical coming up. Real Madrid get a 1-0 victory against Atafi at the weekend. It was one of the most boring games I have ever watched. It was terrible. Shakhtar had no game this weekend, so they're rested to go for this game. Quick prediction from both of you, Shakhtar, Real Madrid. Where do you see this one going? Nigel, we'll start with you. Real Madrid. We could just skip through this group, like you said. <laughs> I don't even know why we're discussing it. JJ? <laughs> uh, a narrow win for Real, but I think Shakhtar will push them close. The only thing I would say about Shakhtar, it's going to be emotionally charged, as are all games surrounding uh, uh, Ukraine, either at club or international level. But also, I think uh, Shakhtar's ability to qualify from this group depends on their final two fixtures. Anything they can get against Real is a bonus. I agree with you. The other game in the group F is Celtic against Leipzig. Celtic at home, last chance for them. Um, uh, a win and some help from Real Madrid would absolutely help them try to chase that second place there. So Celtic got a last-minute winner against St. Johnson at the weekend, and I mean last kick of the game. Leipzig 1-1 against Mainz. Uh, quick prediction on this one again. We'll start with you, Nigel. Celtic, you think they'll lose this game, I'm getting? Celtic will lose this for sure. Uh, they don't have the quality in. As great as the club is, as great as the fan base is, this is Champions League. It's a next level now. They don't have the quality. They can't be clinical enough because they do get opportunities. They get good chances. They need to be a lot more clinical. And for me, I think Nkuku's just on fantastic form right now. And I could see him getting another goal or two because he literally is, since he signed this extension to raise the funds to sell him, the business oh, aspect of the game, people. Uh, he's been on fantastic form. So whatever they're paying him, he's put a big smile on his face. And he's got a lot of confidence now. JJ? Yeah, I'm calling a Chrissy masterclass as well. So I'm going to say 2-0 Leipzig. I see. I think you both seem to forget the last time that Leipzig were in Glasgow in Europa League last year. It didn't work out too well for them. So I'm going for a Celtic win in this game here. Yes, I'm speaking with my heart. Probably not with my head. Let's move on to Group G. This one, obviously self-explanatory. Manchester City leading the way. Uh, we'll touch upon Borussia Dortmund against Sevilla before we get into City and Copenhagen. Sevilla, obviously with a new boss on the bench, JJ. Uh, the, yeah, the man with the tattoos. And I'm talking about a lot of tattoos on the arms. Uh, Dortmund did have that last-minute equaliser. Uh, 
um, against uh, Bayern Munich at the weekend, which I'm sure will boost their confidence. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Sevilla need to get something from this game. Obviously, both of these teams really desperate to try and do well in the Champions League. Dortmund, I would imagine, are favourites going into this game, JJ. Yeah, absolutely. But also at the same time, when you've got a new manager coming in, suddenly the form book, you know, completely goes out of the window, especially someone like Sam Pauli, who, you know, comes in with, with all due respect to Lopetegui and what he achieved with Sevilla, comes in with a completely sort of different approach to, to the team. And he's the kind of guy that you, you kind of want in one of these situations, you know, to really light a fire under the players, you know, get them playing again, uh, you know, sort of challenge their pride after what's been a really, really poor start to the season. You know, I think it was, it was good for them as well that one of the early tests uh, they had under San Paoli was against such a competitive team as Athletic Club uh, you know and I think this is going to be tough for Dortmund the, the issue with Dortmund and I know they scored twice against Bayern but Bayern's defence isn't exactly convincing the problem with them is while they've got Haller out uh, you know and uh, while Adeyemi's fitness is sort of very up and down they I don't see where the goals come from for, for Dortmund uh, and that you know, is really problematic. What about uh, Modest, JJ? Come on, what about I mean, on, honestly, Modest? Honestly, I love... I, I love I love Anthony Modeste and what he's managed to achieve for himself uh, over the years in the Bundesliga. I was surprised that he opted to move on from Cologne, especially as things were working out so well for him and the coach there. But yep. also at the same time, uh, you know, is Anthony Modeste at this stage of his career a Borussia Dortmund, you know, caliber striker? He's not. And, you know, Aside for you know, if it had Haller not been extremely unfortunate, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, we wish him well in his recovery, Modeste wouldn't be anywhere near Dortmund at this moment in time. So, you know, I think that they will try to muddle on. Obviously, if they can have Giorena back and fit and, you know, performing consistently for them, that helps in terms of creativity. But I just feel there's too many flaky players in this Dortmund squad still, the likes of Torgan Hazard, guys like that, who, you know, they can play well one day but then they can they go missing the next and i don't think it's enough at this level i think severe could surprise dortmund here Ooh. jj but do you not think severe might change the priority seeing their current situation in um la liga yeah, I mean, it's a, it is definitely a good uh, a good suggestion and a, a possibility. I mean, I think, you know, the damage has kind of been done already in terms of Europe, but also at the same time, when you look at, uh, you know, the, the setup of the group at this moment in time, plus the fact, yeah, exactly, here we are, Rafa saying... That's a great you know, comment. Severe when, they dro- right. severe, severe when they drop into the Europa League, that is a different oh, beast. I'm not sure I'd still be that confident in them, even in the Europa League, given the makeup of the squad at this moment in time. But it's certainly a squad that's better suited to the Europa League than it is the Champions League at this moment in time. But they've got to get into the Europa League first. I mean, they've got to get into that position so they can actually drop into the Europa League. So every game right now is important for Sevilla, as is for Copenhagen. Um, Our producer, Des, obviously predicting that Gio Reyna is uh, having some injury issues. He is doubtful for this match here, but looks like he could uh, make the lineup. I know Gittens is out, Hazard is out, and Royce is out. Dortmund going with a strong starting 11. I think Mukoko starts up top for Dortmund. I think Donya Malin and Adeyemi starts, and Jude Bellingham will also start. Too good, Nigel. There's no way. That, um, yeah. that Dortmund don't get something from this game. They're too good. Sevilla, even though they're trying to rebuild priorities maybe elsewhere, will recognize that a draw is a good result for them there. Let's touch upon the other game in Group G. Uh, Copenhagen, Manchester City will keep it quick. City flying high, nine points at the top of the group. Uh, do they rest Erling Haaland? That would be the question for you. Obviously, got a big game against Liverpool at the weekend there. Do they rest Haaland or do they make some changes or do they keep him going? Nigel. 
Do you know what? It's funny because I was just thinking about it. I was saying the interesting thing about also all these fixtures is you go look at some of the clubs that are pretty much successfully through to the next stage. Do they rest some players? Do they save the injury risk? But at the same time, when teams are on great form, it might be the wrong thing to do. Or when players are on great form, it might be the wrong thing to do because they might not recapture that form they're in. So sometimes they say, if it's cooking, let it continue to cook. So I think for me that he might start and then maybe take him off in the second half or anything like that. But you've got to keep that form going because you want him to be a full pelt, ready to go against Liverpool. So I don't think that they'll rest him. I think they'll start him and play him and maybe take him off. So uh, we know it's obviously going to be a, a City win. But um, I think it's keeping that winning mentality in because you don't want to do that with some teams. You don't want to stop teams while they're in form. Everyone's yep. feeling good because sometimes when you do that, it's hard to recapture that magic that you've got going right now. Yeah, I think as well, you know, when you've got the runaway train that is Haaland, he doesn't have a World Cup coming up on the horizon like many players do. He's quite a rare, you know, top, top talent who is not going to be playing uh, in Qatar come the end of the year. So I think Haaland will be keen to play every minute of every game, just keep that form going up until the very final match uh, when everyone breaks off for international duty. So for me, I think that, that Guardiola... He doesn't tend to tinker with his formula as much during the group stage as he does in the latter stages. I, I think Guardiola will keep Haaland uh, going here. You know what it could be? It could be another 45-minuter, right? Just go on, yeah. son. Two goals in the first half. You can have a 45-minute break. And isn't it a scary thought to think that he's not going to the World Cup? That when all these players are running around, there's no break. The congested schedule is just mayhem for the, the world's best players. Erling Haaland will be rolling up a towel somewhere at, at a pool or a beach somewhere and putting his feet up, getting ready for the second half of the Champions League and Premier League campaign. It's absolutely insane. JJ, go ahead. You got a question? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'll give you this question to both of you. I'll let Nigel go first. But Haaland, given sort of the disparity between where he plays his club football and international football, do you not think that that situation with Norway it almost makes the challenge that much greater and the possibility to really write himself into the history books as a really legendary figure if he can take Norway to World Cups regularly or to the Euros uh, in the coming years because that is a huge challenge. It's not a national team that has played you know, at the very top level internationally too many times in my lifetime. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can really make himself the talisman with the national team in the same way that he is at club level. Nigel, what do you think? I think yeah, you're 100% right. I think the difficult thing that is going to be with that is he that Norway itself needs to really push the reinvestment in the sense of getting youth and getting players around him at that international level. I think he's internationally known because of obviously playing at Manchester City, playing in the Champions League and the impact he had at, at Dortmund before moving to Manchester City. But still that extra respect at international level isn't quite there. And that's what it is. You know, we always talk about the greats before. They do it domestically and they also do it internationally. It would be great if he was seen as the main talisman to do it. But this is the difference of what we've also analysed about Erling Haaland. Even for Manchester City, JJ, he doesn't get involved in the play. But he puts the ball into the back of the net. But at international level, you need to have a little bit more. You need to get involved in the play. Unless you have a fantastically built team around you or fantastically team dynamic where they can do everything I'll compare it to England. You look at England and the players that they have from the back four to the midfield, the talent that they have. Harry Kane doesn't really need to get involved in the play that much. He can put it into the back of the net. But for Erling Haaland to carry a team like Norway, he's going to have to get involved a lot more in the play, in the build-up and put it into the back of the net. So it's a complete different dynamic. And I think you have to be a complete different player to be able to do that. 
And one of the only best number nines that I saw that could do that was the original Ronaldo. Because even in that Brazil team, he could still do it and carry the team. And we saw it in World Cups. Wouldn't you compare it a little bit to Lewandowski and Poland? I mean, I understand that Poland have got a lot of young, good young players and they have been competing and obviously in the World Cup as well. Um, but I would compare it a little bit with a nation like that, smaller nation. And if you have some right. sort of success... You know, we don't look down upon Lewandowski and what he's done. And I would go as far as to say as well, Erling Haaland has done this early in his career is sensational and more than what Lewandowski did at this age in his career. I mean, the goals yeah. that he's scoring, he's on track to break every single record. So great question, JJ. Fantastic as well as so we wrapped up Tuesday's fixtures in the Champions League. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, I'll have a look at Wednesday's fixtures of match day four in the Champions League, including a deep dive into Group C. We got a cracker. Barcelona into Milan. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to Kega Lazo. You are having a delightful conversation about the Champions League match day four fixtures with Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson, and a very tired Ian Joy. Looking forward to the matches, though, so bring in the energy. We're taking a look at Wednesday's slate of fixtures. Obviously, Group C is where it's at for all of us here. JJ, let's talk about the big one here because, of course, Bayern Munich are flying high in Group C, but Barcelona third in the standings right now and only three points take on Inter Milan who are three points above them sitting second in the group right now this is a tough one to predict obviously I would imagine most of us are going to favor Barcelona at home but which way are you going JJ? Yeah it's a really interesting one because I spent the weekend in Milan and I actually sat down and watched the Inter game with a bunch of Inter fans not only was I staggered at sort of how far they've fallen um, in the last couple of years since winning the Serie A title. I was actually really impressed with sort of the metal that they have in some of the, 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 the more difficult situations. There's so much on the line in interseason at this moment in time, aside from the obvious fact that Inzaghi's job is under threat. But I think, you know, one of the guys I was with uh, gave me a stat and said, I think we've, lo we've already lost as many times this season as we did in the entirety of the last campaign, you know, when Inter are faced with that kind of um, disparity between their two campaigns, I think there is so much riding on getting out of this Champions League group. I think the motivation, especially given the the performance and the results against uh, Barca last week, I think that they will, you know, be so motivated to avoid defeat here, uh, you know, and to give themselves that chance of getting out of the group. Uh, I think that they'll keep it alive. I don't necessarily think they'll win in Barcelona, but I think that they will avoid defeats here. I, I really wow. think that they know just, you know, what is on the line for them uh, if they drop out and, you know, into the Europa League or worse. Interesting. You feel that, for me, JJ, don't you feel that there's a greater kind of belief and confidence happening with this Barcelona side? Top of La Liga, they had about, what, 80-something thousand fans there in the stadium. And obviously it dropped tremendously with the whole rebuilding process. But now the fans are kind of buying into it. They're liking what they're seeing. And also there's going to be a revenge mission from Barcelona because of the, the penalty decision that they felt hard done by. So, and I think that for me, when you look at Barcelona, they're comfortable anywhere, but they're the most comfortable at home. I think it was a great performance by Inter and it was a performance for the manager to, to get the result, so to speak. But it goes to something that we've always said as well, that... Sometimes as players, when you know you're playing the big boys, you get this extra bit of adrenaline. You raise your level. But what the top players do is they play at that level consistently regardless of opposition. But some of your fringe players might raise their level because it's Barcelona. But I just feel that Barcelona now, there's a greater 
belief happening. They're not the complete article, but there's more belief from the fan base. And I think that they're going to turn it around and it's definitely going to be a revenge mission. Do you not feel that that's a play? I think there's definitely a lot more positivity around Barca at this moment in time, but there's also, you know, a kind of a little bit of negativity creeping in in that a lot of Barca fans are recognizing that suddenly the defense looks a lot different to how it did a couple of weeks ago, you know, with certain important figures out. And suddenly that makes Barca a little more vulnerable. You know, they really had to scrap to beat Celta Vigo over the weekend. So I, I definitely think your, your point is valid that there is greater positivity around Barca now, but just in terms of sort of the, the manpower the personnel that they're going to be missing coming into a big game like this. It's not ideal timing for, for Barca. And I think that they could ultimately be unlucky uh, in failing to finish in the top two in this group. Yeah, if you look at the players who are doubtful or out for Barcelona, out is Araujo, Kunde, Bellerin, Depay, Christensen, Kessi, all out for Barcelona. So a lot of names, but the squad that they have is just sensational. What they've put together here and how on earth financially they've managed to put the squad together, sitting pretty at the top of the table in La Liga, even though it wasn't necessarily a convincing victory at the weekend against Celta Vigo. It was um, a, a nice little comeback from Inter Milan. Uh, Dzeko with a couple of goals uh, to lead the way against uh, Sassuolo at the weekend. And also, we must not forget, JJ, that Barcelona have got classical coming up. So I'm wondering, in the back of their mind, and they're playing on Wednesday, they've got the weekend very quickly coming up and approaching. You know, do you tinker with the lineup? Do you start to make changes? In the back of your mind, you've got classical and an opportunity to win your domestic league by getting that big, giant step forward by taking it all three points in that classical game. So what do they do team selection-wise? And, um, you know, do they approach this game a little bit more cautiously rather than what they would do if they had an easier game at the weekend? I don't think Barca can afford to lose either game. I think both are huge matches for them. And I think Xavi will want to go as full strength as possible. I mean, obviously, I have to do a a review of what state his troops are in after the inter-game. But I don't think that Barca can afford to, to tinker. You know, if they anything other than three points here, uh, you know, will be a big, big setback because even the win, I think, only pulls them level with uh, with Inter in the group. Yeah. Nigel, uh, in the other game in Group C is Victoria Pilsen against Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, nine points. Pilsen with zero points in the group. Uh, Bayern Munich drawn 2-2 against Borussia Dortmund at the weekend. Did you catch the video of Oliver Kahn and his reaction to the 94th minute equaliser? And you're telling me all is good at Bayern Munich right Listen, now with that reaction? I have quoted you many times without you being on here when you want to take your 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 days off and enjoy yourself. Um, you're right. There is an issue there. And I think for me, though, but even looking at that game, Bayern versus Dortmund, Bayern just weren't clinical enough. They had some great chances to put that game beyond Dortmund's reach. And like you said, when, they, when Dortmund came back from out of nowhere and got the 2-2 draw, you do say, yes, there are some questions still at Bayern Munich. Khan's reaction said it all. It was real fantastic. But... They're going to get the job done in this game. It's, it's, it's an easy win for Bayern Munich. And, um, you know, there are still questions there. You know, I did have them as my favourites for this Champions League at the start just because of the squad and the players. But definitely there's questions there. I, I Actually, it was on the bench when I played against Bayern Munich when Oliver Kahn was in the goal. And the guy's just absolutely nuts. And I mean, like, insane. When you watch him, like, I was so close there. I was obviously disappointed I wasn't playing in that game. But he was in he was in goal just screaming at fans, screaming at players, just an absolute animal on the pitch. Never did I think at one point he would be CEO of Bayern Munich at some point. And it's always the ones you least expect. Trust me, I've seen a lot of players... In my career, I played against that in these different high powerful jobs and great positions in football. And I'm like, have, have you guys have you guys heard the charity Oliver Kahn charity story? 
No, go. No, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to dig it out for you later, but it's brilliant. So effectively there was this charity gig where basically any kid that's able to score past Oliver Kahn, score a penalty past Oliver Kahn, the money gets donated to charity. <laughs> how many how many penalties do you think Kahn let these kids score? None penalty shootout. <laughs> None. None. <laughs> that much, that much of a competitor didn't let any of those uh, charity penalty kicks get past him. Uh, well, Bayern Munich is sitting pretty a Group C. Didn't expect to see it, but they look like they're just cruising comfortably through to the knockout stages. We'll move on to Group A, and it's an absolute banging of a group. Napoli leading the way very convincingly. Nobody's betting against them, including me from now on, from picking up 100% points on every single game that they're playing. But the first game I'm looking forward to is Rangers against Liverpool. Rangers 0.0 goals in the group stage. They've been very, very disappointing. But Liverpool travel, and they're a little bit shaken right now. Obviously, Liverpool beaten uh, 10th in the Premier League right now. They were beaten by Arsenal at the weekend. Rangers got a big win against St. Mirren. Obviously, Cholak got the, the goal, a uh, couple of goals in that game. He's back. He was left out last week for some, some surprise reason uh, from the starting 11 against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, but real quickly, we're just going to touch upon the predictions here. Rangers against Liverpool. Nigel, we'll start with you. Liverpool, mm, nah. Liverpool still have that quality over Rangers, so Liverpool win. Go on, JJ. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I, I don't think all is well with Liverpool, but I do think they'll win this one. All right. The other game in the group is Napoli against Ajax Amsterdam. Napoli. Wow. I mean, they continue to score goals. 4-1 win at the weekend. Three different goal scorers they had coming off the bench and winning the game for them. If I'm not mistaken, they scored two goals after the 90-minute mark as well. Uh, 18 goals scored in the last five games, all competitions from Napoli. Going up against an Ajax side that they absolutely hammered in Amsterdam. Ajax players, I apparently, I heard, refused to swap jerseys after the game uh, in the locker room, clearly frustrated with the result. Who'd blame them? They got absolutely hammered and embarrassed in their own stadium. How does this game turn out? This is a crazy kind of situation, Nigel, though. Ajax, you've got to go travel now to Naples to play against the team that is scoring goals for fun. Qualascalia. That's all I have to say. Qualascalia. <laughs> No, I think this is the game that has me a bit now. And again, it's you've got to think about this. There's so many little different dynamics. And again, it's just something we had a conversation earlier. Napoli are flying right now. The biggest risk you can do when a team is like this, gelling and players, everyone's chipping in, everyone's scoring goals. It's not one player there. It's a team dynamic. Is twinkle it, make changes unnecessary because you're comfortably through already and you lose that momentum. You lose that magic. But I feel that Napoli have to stay in this winning mentality and in this zone as long as they can. Because the last thing you can do is change the dynamic, lose to Ajax, and the next thing you know, you start seeing in different results because you twinkled it. So I feel that he's going to keep it the same, keep that energy going, keep the magic going because everyone is chipping in and it's not just one play. It's a fantastic team dynamic. They're enjoying their football. They're scoring. Ajax are going to Napoli, Naples. It's not going to be an easy place to get a result. It's going to be very difficult to get a result there. Yes, there's going to want to be a reaction from Ajax, but Napoli right now, the momentum, everything just is on their side. And I think when you look at this team, not just the performance, but the expressions on the players' faces, they're really enjoying their football. It's a scary thing and you don't want to twinkle with it. But I think that Napoli will get the win again. Yeah, Kvitscher, I mean, he's another guy like Haaland who doesn't have the World Cup coming up. So there's no real reason, uh, aside from perhaps a really big game in Serie A on the horizon for, for him to be rotated out of the team at this moment in time. But the other, I guess the other sort of angle to look at coming into this game as well is, you know, are Ajax really going to allow themselves to 
be played off of the park the way that they were last week. Uh, you know, there is going to be major pride at stake here. I mean, also their ability to get out of the group is is now majorly compromised because of that result. They absolutely have to pull something off. Do I think that they can win in Naples? Not really based on what I've seen so far, but can they avoid defeat in Naples? I think they can. And that still gives them hope of, you know, if not getting out of this group, then at least dropping into the Europa League. Uh, I do still think that they will, you know, finish at least in the in the top three positions and, you know, playing for pride there. You know, they really have something to, to salvage a point to prove to themselves, to their fans, to the club. Uh, I cannot see it being another, you know, blowout win for, for Napoli. I think that they Ajax will run them much, much closer than they did in the first uh, meeting. Yeah, fantastic point right there. Tactically, they have to make changes. They certainly don't want to lose that game. So am I getting the feeling you're going to go for a little prediction of a draw there, JJ? Yeah, I mean, I think a score draw to me, uh, you know, sounds like the the, the right uh, pick. I mean, you know, a narrow Napoli win wouldn't surprise me. I just don't think it's going to be an absolute thrashing. So if I was going to pick a score line, I think, unfortunately, it won't be anything like the goal fest that we saw last week. So I'd say 1-1. Kvaratskhelia, Rio Coker, who are you going for? Qualascalia's team. I see a, a narrow Napoli win. Quicha Qualascalia. I call him Qualascalia. Well, JJ obviously knows him personally. He just calls him Quicha. Hey, Quicha. You know my man, Quicha. <laughs> Quaradona. That's what he is. Let's move ahead to Group B here. This one, obviously, it's a battle for second place because Brugge are leading the way in emphatic fashion. Uh, before we get into Brugge Atleti, the game is in Spain. I want to go to Germany. Leverkusen taking on Porto. This is an absolute banger of a game here. Uh, Xavi Alonso with a big win at the weekend, 4-0. Um, quality squad of players he's got to deal with. Um, Musa Diaby turned up big time with the early opening goal for Leverkusen at the weekend in their emphatic victory against Schalke. Uh, Porto, obviously a dangerous side, still very much in this competition and very much in a battle with Leverkusen to finish in second place here, JJ. Who you got here? Yeah, I'm actually going to go for Leverkusen here. I think Xavi Alonso's arrival has completely changed the dynamic. And I'm glad that you mentioned Moussa Diaby because we spoke earlier. Uh, Nigel was raving about uh, Nkunku and rightly so. Nkunku and Diaby went through quite similar summers, uh, you know, but Diaby didn't get that sort of vote of confidence that Nkunku did in the, the contract extension. Uh, and it kind of played into this chaotic start to the season for Leverkusen. I think... Alonso coming in, immediately having uh, Diaby on side, uh, you know, I think that really completely changes the complexion of Leverkusen because let's let, let's be realistic and, you know, no undue, uh, you know, uh, sort of disrespect towards, uh, you know, the likes of Porto and Atleti. If Leverkusen and Club Brugge really want to get out of this group, they can at this moment in time. I, I you know, Atleti, you know, I've been motoring on in second to third gear at best uh, the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and Porto, yes, they have the experience, they have the nous, but they don't have the, the best squad that they've had in the last couple of years. I think this is a huge opportunity, these last three games, uh, you know, for, for Leverkusen to potentially get themselves out uh, of uh, this group and, and finish in the top two. Nigel? JJ, I'm going against you, mate. I'm going Porto. You said it. They've got the experience. They've got the announce. And their last performance for me was fantastic. They really are a good team. Their surprise package. I feel that, yes, it's always good when you get a new manager in. Alonso comes in and it's a breath of fresh air. It's something different. But I just feel Porto just, just have that, that like the experience. I think the experience overall and that, that togetherness of that team is what's going to get them through. I'm going to go with Porto. They don't have any injuries as well. Fully fit squad portal going to Germany, which obviously bodes well for them. But I'm actually going against 
to Nigel because Leverkusen under Javi Alonso, the, the quality of squad that Leverkusen have, they have massively underachieved, obviously in the Bundesliga with the table You're position. You're giving a lot of credit in. to Javi Alonso, mate. He's only just got in there, Giza. He's not even walked in through the door and taken his coat off. He's just it's, literally just it's more the in. It's more the squad of players that he's got, though, Nigel, that I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Like, you could put you in charge of that club, and I would still say the change that would needed to made was Seoane leaving that club to rejuvenate the players because of the youngsters, and, and obviously we just touched upon Musa Diaby, but they have sensational players at Leverkusen who have massively underperformed, not scored goals. They've spent a bit of money as well. Goal scorer Patrick Schick not been scoring goals, not creating chances, letting too many goals in there. And you've got a Florian Wirtz who's sitting out on the sidelines still trying to get back into the squad as well. And there we go. I mean, they're talented. They're a dangerous side. And I think, obviously, having Xavi Alonso there with the experience, it's respect, Nigel, more than anything else. They are going to respect him in that locker room. It's the German mentality with a lot of these international players that are in that locker room. They're young boys. They're looking up to Xavi Alonso now. Immediate response. I think they continue that. And let's not forget, Porto got absolutely pummeled by Brugge at home four goals to nil. So they're not perfect in any way. So this one, I'm absolutely going for a Leverkusen win. Let's turn our attention to Atletico Madrid and Brugge here. Uh, Bruges, top of the table, Nigel. They're flying high. Uh, lost at the weekend to Vesterlo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I did watch the Atleti game. I thought they were decent against Girona. They were a bit fortunate because Girona hit the post and the crossbar in that game. A couple of big, big saves in that game as well. Kept Atleti in it. But who are you going for in this game? Because Atleti... They need to start winning games to go through the group. Club Brugge or Bruges, whichever one you want to pronounce it, however way you feel comfortable, Mr. E enjoy. Yeah, I'm going for them. Uh, I Like I said, I think for me now, Atletico Madrid have become a bit of a one-trick pony now. Very predictable. Know what we're going to get from them. And I know that Griezmann's just made his deal permanent as well. We've seen that sign till 2026. But they need more than a Griezmann right now. I think the generation of players that reacted well and react to them, a manager like Simeone, has gone by. It's mm -hmm. it's time to turn the page on Atletico and change their direction and change their footballing principle because those type of players are few and hard to come by when you've got that kind of aggression, that old school mentality, that, that willing to die and taking um, direction from a manager, but also willing to be coached and learn. It's gone. You know, it, it's becoming a bit boring and stale Atletico. Atletico. And uh, I feel that for me, Club Rouge, you're going to get the result again. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, it's important to kind of qualify what counts as a positive result for Brugge, because if they avoid defeat, if they get a draw, they're as good as sort of through in this group based on how it's standing at this moment in time. I mean, obviously, a lot will depend uh, on the uh, on the other match. But I mean, I, I really feel this is such a huge opportunity for Brugge. And, you know, it kind of feels like they took their eye off the, the ball domestically because they know that this is such a huge opportunity coming up in Europe, you know, to potentially get themselves out of this group and put one of Atleti or Porto to the sword. This could be the match that, that consigns Atleti to potentially Europa League at best because I think Griezmann coming back, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big boost. But also at the same time, I mean, it's, it, it's not like he's going to change them you know immediately just by starting matches because he's there and that you know they're still in this funk that they're in at the moment despite the fact that he's there so I mean it's almost kind of like it's a false dawn of optimism I really really think that Atleti are going to struggle to get out of this group uh, and I think that if Brugge can avoid defeat for me it almost nail at least puts another nail uh, in Atleti's Champions League coffin. Yeah, fully fit squad for Bruce going into this game as well let's get quick predictions on both of these games Nigel we'll start with Leverkusen Porto Porto 
JJ. I'm going to say Leverkusen 2-1. I'm going for a Leverkusen win. Atletico Madrid, Brugge, JJ. 1-1. 1-0, Brugge. 1-0, Brugge. Oh, watch out for Atleti, though. I think they'll sense there's an opportunity. We must not forget they are sometimes late to the party. So I think this one's going to be close. I'm going to hold my opinion back until later on. But Brugge, certainly <laughs> top in the group right now, looking comfortable. I think I'm going to go for Atleti win, Nigel. So stop laughing at me. Let's turn our attention to Group D to wrap things up here. Uh, this one is is really, really tight here. Tottenham against Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Frankfurt were pummeled at the weekend by Bochum. Spurs had a big win against Brighton. Um, Spurs need a convincing win in Europe. I mean, I'm just waiting for a, a top-class Spurs performance just to You're blow us all it. away. I mean, I mean, <sighs> Nigel, against Frankfurt, it's not going to be easy here, but th- this is a game that Spurs have got to win. They don't want to end Listen, up behind Sporting and Frankfurt in the table going into the last two match days. Ian, I'll bring it to you. You're not going to get a fantastic performance. You're just going to get a win. Tottenham win. Why, why not, though? Business. Why not, though? Why am they, I not? They haven't, been, they haven't been putting in fantastic performance even in the Premier League. They've just been getting by. It's not been tremendous Tottenham performances. It's been Conte-type teams. And for Tottenham right now, the footballing ability isn't there. It's not great football, but they're getting results. So you can't complain. Everything is fine when you're winning. We all know that. So I, I see them getting the win, grinding out the result, and that's what people are going to talk about. JJ? Yeah, this this one for me is really starting to get dangerous for Spurs now because if they don't get the win, suddenly that ratchets up the pressure on those final couple of games. And I don't expect Marseille to beat Sporting this midweek, but if there's an opportunity for them to get themselves into the Europa League, you don't want to be going to Marseille in one of those last few games. It's going to be you know, a very difficult place, especially if they're still playing for Europa League or possibly even more. So... I, I think this is starting to get into danger territory for Spurs and they really need to win this one this midweek. Isn't this the best scenario though, JJ, for a Marseille who have slowly started their Champions League campaign that they're looking ahead and, oh, by the way, if we just put a couple of wins back to back, we're well and truly back in this game. So they go now to Lisbon to play against the sporting side who are top of the table and they could jump up to six points and level with them in the table and make things really interesting in this group. So do you think Marseille can get that job done even though they had a poor result at the weekend? I think there's definitely an opportunity there. I don't think that Marseille will get the job done against Sporting. I mean, I think a draw away would be a positive result for them, but it would still leave them in quite a, a, a tough situation. But again, it would depend on what happens in uh, in Spurs match as to how those last two games are, are looking. But I think Sporting were, won't be as woeful as they were uh, last week. I don't think it'll be as chaotic. But, uh, you know, if they don't, um, you know, put uh, Marseille to the sword, then, you know, Sporting could be, uh, you know, sort of jeopardizing their good start to the group. All right, Nigel, prediction time. Group D, Sporting Lisbon with six points, Tottenham four points, Mar- uh, Frankfurt on four points and Marseille on three points here. Tottenham against Frankfurt, match day four, who you got? Tottenham grinding out the result. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win for Tottenham. JJ? I'm going to go 1-0 Spurs. Sporting Lisbon against Marseille, JJ? 2-1 Sporting. Nigel? I'm going to say 3-1 Sporting. 
3-1 Sporting. You fancy in Sporting, even after their goalkeeper, Adana, had an absolute shocker. One of the worst performances I've seen in the Champions League, by the way, for a long time. He was terrible in that game last time out. But they certainly need a goalkeeper to step up this time out. He won't be the one who's in between the six. He is suspended for this match. So uh, enjoy that one right there. Gentlemen, as always, it's been a pleasure. Champions League match day four is upon us. We're really excited to watch all the games on Paramount+. Plus. Thank you, as always, for your thoughts, your opinions. Nigel, anything in particular? before we close out here, that you're looking forward to? Which game do you think you'll cast your eye on on Tuesday and Wednesday? That will be I the mean, there's, there, game. there's a few major games, but I think for me, I'm really intrigued by the AC Milan-Chelsea game. That's the one that I'm really intrigued about this week. I think that is just a real big make and break game for both teams. I really feel that Chelsea want to get the job done and so will Milan. And it's, it's two teams with history in this competition and I think it should be all for great viewing. JJ, you going to the game? I am indeed. So very much looking forward to that PSG against Benfica. And uh, it's actually a really, really tasty week of football for me because you've got PSG Benfica at Parc des Princes and then it's Le Classique PSG Marseille on Sunday, also in Paris. So yeah, lots nice. to look forward to. Fantastic stuff as always, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your comments and always being here to yeah support us all the way through this. The Champions League is back once again tomorrow. You can watch all the games on Paramount+. Plus. If you're around the world, make sure you watch the games and come back after the games on Tuesday and Wednesday when the games wrap up. Come back and you will get a post-match recap from me and all the guys. We'll have everybody here joining us. You can share your opinion, your anger, your frustration. You can comment. Don't be frightened. Don't just sit back and relax and enjoy these shows and sit and drink or laugh at Nigel Rio Coco. No, 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 no. Let this us guy. know your feelings. Let <laughs> us know exactly guy. what you think about Nigel, what you think about JJ, who's going to be at that game. And hopefully we can get that post-match recap from his cell phone. And also make sure you go to our YouTube page to check out my uh, quick catch-up with Fabrizio Romano this morning. Really interesting topics on Benfica in particular. We talked about Portuguese players, Diego Dalo, and uh, a few interesting topics outside of that as well. You can catch that one on K Galazzo. YouTube page but thanks to everybody out there for watching Kego Lazzo please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we are available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast and unfortunately for Nigel we're also available on video so subscribe to us on YouTube visit youtube.com forward slash Kego Lazzo we'll see you next time enjoy all the games this week Nigel Rio Coker I love you man <laughs>